and the core of what I teach has to do with training your muscle, using coordinations to disengage muscles that you don't need in the singing process and then engaging the ones that you do. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed for the worship leader that has to do it all. A lot of us find ourselves in this worship leader role because someone noticed that we could sing and lead songs, but then they put us in charge of an entire worship ministry, and you have to know how to lead the band rehearsal and recruit people for the media booth and manage the onslaught of opinions about what songs we should do and how our team members dress, and it's a lot. And so we are here to help you figure out how to do all those little extra things that comes along with leading a worship ministry. We release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month, so if you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on, and you'll never miss another one. This is episode 33. And my guest today is Shelby Rollins. Not only is she a talented singer, but Shelby has been a vocal coach for over 15 years. She can say that she's been a certified Brett Manning associate for singing success, where she taught for almost a decade as Brett's senior coach. So she can sing, but she can also help other singers unlock something within their voice to increase their range and their breath control and to avoid vocal fatigue after singing through several Sunday morning services. Not all of us have a professionally trained voice. I mean, I was in choir in high school, and I remember all the warm-up exercises and the importance of singing from your diaphragm and stuff like that, but I never thought of myself as this amazing singer, and honestly, I I feel like I kind of settled. And what I'm learning is that it's not that I don't have the potential to be a great singer, but I certainly don't have good technique, and that is holding me back. And maybe you can relate to that. So in this conversation, we talk about ways to improve your technique so that you can sing those higher notes where you don't feel fatigued or out of breath after finishing a set. We talk about what a proper warm-up is and why that's important. There's definitely several things that I've learned while I was putting this show together that made me think differently about my singing voice, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you today. If you're looking for the show notes page for this episode, you can find that at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast33. And now, here's my conversation with Shelby Rollins. Shelby Rollins, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's good to be here. I'm excited to be able to dive into this topic. I have some uh, some selfish reasons for <laughs> for diving into this. We'll talk about that in a second. But one thing I have learned about you in the short time that I've gotten to know you is that as hard as you go with your business and being a coach and working with students and all that, it seems like you go just as hard, if not more, like into the mom life. Like mom life oh, yeah. is strong with you. And I'm a parent myself. So like, what does mom life look like for you right Right now, man. So I have three. I have a eight-year-old girl who's in second grade. I have a five-year-old boy who's in pre-K, almost kindergarten, which is crazy. And then I have a one and a half-year-old boy. Um, and so mom life looks just like all—they're all in different places this year. It's one of those years, and I know so many parents can 
probably feel this struggle where your kids are all in a different school situation or a childcare situation. Certain years are like that, and that is the year that I am in. <laughs> so it is uh, restricted a little bit of my work hours, but it's it's all good. Next year, it'll be a little bit different when I'll have two kids in the same school, and that'll be a game changer. As the kids get older and their personalities come out, I mean, are they pretty, are they like strong and confident and sassy? Or like, are they like, <laughs> what? Like, what's the family dynamic? They are all strong. I don't want to say stubborn. That sounds negative. They're strong-willed. I think that's a positive thing, but I know some people think that being strong-willed sounds negative, and I I would not agree. But I I have some strong-willed children. Yes, they're uh, independent. They um, they love family, so they they love to be home. They love to be with us, but they also love to be kind of adventurous and they're all super different. Um, so my middle child is kind of the comedian of the family. He's hilarious. He's the one that like the kids will say anything kind of kid. He is that child. He has never met a stranger. He will just burst out of the front door and holler at a neighbor on the street, walking their dog that he's never seen before and like scream from the front door. He'll be like, what's your name? Where's your house? What's your dog's name? And I'm like, Hey buddy, we don't know those people. <laughs> but how do I not – I need to get to know them. How do I get to know them if I don't actually start asking questions? That's exactly what he said. He asks so many questions. He His words per day capital or cap- capacity is the right word is way higher than most people, most outgoing people included. Like he can talk anybody out of the water. I mean he's he's hilarious. But he's that's how he learns. He's a very curious little dude. So, and I saw a picture of your daughter. Uh, I think it was a picture where you, I guess you were trying to talk her out of an outfit, and and and, <laughs> it was, and she and, and and I guess she won, and 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 you kind of succumbed to the fact that it's like, no, actually, that's a pretty killer outfit, and just, I mean, sh- the pose that she has in that photo is like. Like if she finds herself on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry or whatever, like you will not be surprised. No, I won't. And she is that is her. And that was around the time where I was like, why am I trying to dress my children? They should dress themselves. And I rarely get involved. So they they know it's time to get dressed for school and they go and they get dressed and they come out and they're wearing all sorts of strange things that I would have probably not chosen, but that's just not a battle I'm going to fight. And, you know, it's a way to sort of express their own creativity. And I'm, it's, it was a freeing thing to let go of that many years ago. And she, she loves to be creative. She is a very creative kid and, um, she's got a beautiful voice too. So she has started singing and showing interest in singing and showing interest in mommy helping her and teaching her. She knows that's what I do. And, um, she actually got to be a part of an amazing recording project that I'm not at Liberty to like give details on quite yet, but, um, soon I will, but she got to sing some of these like awesome worship songs on a project recently. And I had never felt the type of like, career pride meets mom pride intersection ever before I did for that. It was, it was incredible. So she's got, she's got that stage thing. She's also into gymnastics. So she likes, she's a performer, you know? I love that. I love everything about, I I can feel that in my, in my soul as I've I've got, I've got teenagers and I can feel all of that. So you have been, you spoke about, you know, being a singer and this is what you do. I mean, you have been, been singing professionally and, and being a coach and helping others to unlock that within themselves for a mighty long time. And so you work with students, you've, uh, you've been a part of worship teams and things like that. And I know that 
many of us get into this role as a worship leader because, you know, we can naturally sing, you know, we just open up our mouth and it happens and someone says, hey, you're a really good singer. You should like lead worship and do the thing. But there's not necessarily a lot of intentionality and technique behind that. And I'm certainly one of those people. I mean, I, I was in choir in high school and I did all that and I've always enjoyed music and I've always enjoyed singing. But as far as like caring for it and training for it and, you know, thinking of it as another muscle that you might, uh, you know, people go to the gym for, you know, to do other things. I don't, right. I don't think of it that way as I know that I, I should. Yeah. And so you work with a lot of people. I figured that a lot of people that are listening to this are also kind of in that same boat where, you know, I just make my voice do things and it just kind of comes out. There's not a lot of intentionality. And then you sit down with people that are wanting to maybe go to a next level or try to overcome a certain thing, whether it be their range or breath support or whatever it is. What are some of the common problems that you see when someone first comes to you and say, Shelby, I need help? Well, usually they come because something's gone wrong. Um, I think kind of how a lot of times people in their own health, they see a doctor when they're sick, right? You may not have reason to otherwise. And then, you know, you might find out something really bad is going on because you've been ignoring your symptoms for a long time or something like that. And not everybody comes to me and they're in dire straits by any means, but usually they come because they're like, ah, I have encountered a problem I can't overcome by myself by just sort of, fig- you know, trying to navigate through that or figuring out on my own. And I would say the number one, I love that you used the analogy of um, going to the gym and muscles and building your muscles and things like that, because your voice is a muscle and the core of what I teach has to do with training your muscle, um, using coordinations to disengage muscles that you don't need in the singing process and then engaging the ones that you do. Because physiologically speaking, there are muscles that should, that God gave us to use for eating, but not for singing, um, for swallowing, but not for singing, things like that. You need them. They're part of your body and your makeup, but they're not serving the intended purpose they were created for. And then other muscles that are supposed to be used in the singing process that most of the time we're able to apprehend very naturally as children. And then we kind of trip offline, usually around puberty. And, you know, the voice changes and breaks, and all of a sudden we don't know how to deal with that anymore. And um, the panic sets in, you know, and the bad habits usually start around there for many people. So I would say the the most common problems have to do with using it's one, it's wrong self-diagnosis. So they think that they have one problem when indeed they actually have something else most of the time. And then that ends up being like a a wrong attempted solution or wrong technique. So wrong musculature that creates strain and fatigue and the voice breaking and cracking, um, lack of endurance, things like that. And uh, the if, if there are any if there anything like I was when I was first starting to take lessons as a kid or even as like a young adult, I would ask my professional vocal teachers, you know, who were trained, what should I do? My voice is breaking. I don't know how to fix this. How do I sing higher with power? My range is just really limited. And they were always telling me the same thing. It was always sing from your diaphragm, like support from your diaphragm, and then um, just sing it in your head voice more, and which is sort of the lighter sound for most people. And I was doing what they said and seeing zero change, no results at, at all. And I ultimately resigned myself to this thought, this negative limiting belief that I just don't have that voice. That's not the voice God gave me. This was not the hand I was dealt. And it's 
that's unfortunate for me because I wish I could, but I guess I can't. So I'm going to make it work with what I've got. And I, I did to an extent and I kept singing. It wasn't like I quit, but I always wish that I could do some more things with it. I always had those issues that I wanted to deal with. And, but I guess I just kind of stopped looking for help because no one was able to fix those problems. And the advice they gave me was pretty limiting. So it wasn't until I met my mentor, um, who I trained under for many years that, um, I realized, oh my gosh, they were all wrong. (laughs) Anybody can do this. Like anyone can go to the gym, put in the work and see results, see muscle definition. And maybe ultimately you could, you too can get a six pack if you do enough of the work. Right. (laughs) But it was the reality that it's a muscle. And if you learn how to coordinate the muscle through isolation, um, and then putting in the work, you will coordinate to do what you want it to do. And you don't have to be limited by what you feel like your circumstances are limiting you to. So it's usually just wrong self-diagnosis. So what does that look like when you say, like, I can honestly say that I've never thought about that as far as like the training to use muscles that you don't need, but you instinctively do, and then trying to use other muscles that you instinctively don't, but you need in order to sing versus eat or talk or all these different things. And so, so what does that look like as far as how do you begin that process? Like when you're working with a student, you know, how does that look? So a lot of times people come in and they say, or I'll ask them, you know, why are you here? What do you want to work on? And inevitably one of the most common answers is, well, I know I need help um, with breathing because I know I'm, I know I'm not breathing good enough or whatever their description of that is. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Well, I can't sing to the end of a phrase without running out of air. Okay. So that to them translates in, I don't have enough air, right? So I have to breathe better, deeper, stronger somehow. The reality is, is it's not how you're breathing in. Usually it's how you're using the air that you have breathed in. And that has a lot to do with your vocal cords and the muscle of those. They are the, the, your vocal cords are the gatekeeper of your airflow. And so if too much air is passing through, it usually more is indicative of a lack of control over the muscle rather than your breathing mechanism, right? Because I, I mean, I jokingly will tell people, well, you're alive, so congratulations, you're good at breathing. <laughs> and then when we start working on exercises and then applying that into songs, people all of a sudden they realize, oh my gosh, we didn't really do any breathing stuff, but I didn't need it because you learn how to control the air through controlling the muscle. Sometimes it's a cart before the horse kind of a problem and and we, we do the wrong thing. Think um, It's not wrong. I mean, breathing is a part of singing, obviously. So every once in a while you do have to address that, but usually you will actually get rid of that problem. It's just ma- masquerading as a problem. Um, it's a common scapegoat, but it's not really the root cause. The root cause is almost always muscle control. And I, it, there's a few pretty easy ways to determine if someone is using incorrect musculature. And um, one is they'll always say, you know, I'm straining, I'm pushing, I'm getting tired. My voice, I get hoarse after I lead a service on Sunday. I mean, so many worship leaders that I work with have the, had, hopefully not anymore, the issue of um, getting through a, a Sunday multiple service kind of situation. And then Monday, their voice is junk, is right. gone. And they can't get it back until like midweek rehearsal comes back around. And and they're tired of doing that. So eventually they beg the church budget to pay for voice lessons or something like that. <laughs> and that's where they end up. And that's when I say, you know, they come to me and they, it's like a somebody who's, they don't go to the doctor until they get sick. And it's not like you need to necessarily go if you're well, right? But it's more about like, how do I, uh, more health has to do, just like health insurance, the concept of it is funny to me because 
it's not really it's crisis care insurance, right? You use it when you when you're ill, but it doesn't keep you healthy. It more bails you out when you're sick financially. So the it's about wellness taking care of your body on the front end so that you're not in these problems on the other side. And that is any I mean and and I compare singing to working out all the time. If you do the work, if you build the muscle, then you will keep your body in a healthier place for everything else that you need to do with your life. So if you can take care of your voice and treat it like a muscle, then it will be able to serve you for all of the things that you want to do with it. Well, it's even like warming up. Um, I've One thing I've started to do as of late, which, man, I've been on this planet for like 47 years and I'm just now figuring some of these things out. But like, you know, I'll come in on a Sunday and I'll warm up, you know, the poor guy that lives across the street, you know, I'm doing, you know, and all those crazy sounds or or the sirens, the, I'm making those sounds, Yeah, Um, you know, and some guys like, what, who's breaking into what? Um, but, but honestly, I mean, I probably do maybe a few minutes of warm ups on a Sunday and then expect to have this big, huge range voice. I wouldn't do that if I was going to run a marathon. I wouldn't like just show up one day and say, okay, I'm going to stretch my legs a little bit and now I'm going to go run 20 miles. Right. Um, and so I've been, uh, trying to be a little bit more intentional about like going through the warm up process. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even on days that I'm not even going to sing, I mean, that's so good. I, I'm 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 getting there. I'm like I'm, I'm I feel like a light bulb's coming on. Yeah. But like, so what does that need to look like? Because you can you can also warm up, and if you're not doing the right things, you can actually make things worse. Because practice doesn't make it you know perfect; it makes it permanent. Exactly. I say that all the time. So what does that warm-up routine need to look like maybe on like a Sunday when you're doing a rehearsal uh, or doing a service or maybe, you know, even like a warm-up on just any like on a Monday just to keep the vocal cords in a good place? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. There's a bit of a difference between a warm-up and a workout. Uh, but one can lead into the other so that they don't have to be totally separate concepts. But I mean, just even like you were uh, demonstrating a lip roll, the type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, ways to make your lip roll, tighten that up, make it more efficient, clean things up, release some strain. So that's all the diagnostics of, you know, one-on-one coaching and everything. But it's probably the first thing I start with every time is a lip roll. There's, I would say, mostly four main tent poles of my voice that I'm going to access that I'm going to touch on every time I warm up my voice. And a lip roll is kind of my precursor. So that's the thing that's going to get everything moving. It it builds a lot of connection. So a lot of people experience that break between chest voice and head voice. And they're like, how do I get through that and connect? Lip rolls are a good way to subconsciously a bit connect your voice. It's People can still break in a lip roll and that you can still feel a crack, but a lot of times it helps to smooth through it without even trying. It regulates airflow. Um, it get, it's You get a lot of bang for your buck. It's an a high yielding, low pressure kind of an exercise usually can extend your range really well. Most people can sing higher in a lip roll than almost any other type of exercise. So you're getting, you're hitting a lot of things. It's just warming you up holistically without a lot of work being done. So I, I will start with those. I do an octave and a half scale called a Rossini most of the time. Would you like me to play it? You want me to show yeah, you what it is? I would love that. Rossini scale is like this. Mm-hmm. 
So it's different up than down. That's not the only one you can do by any means, but it's a nice long one. I like a long stretch on a lip roll. So I'll start there. Um, I then the, I'm going to hit those four main tent poles in my voice that I mentioned. So those four things are your chest voice, which is your speaking voice range, your head voice, which is above that break, the lighter quality that's released and resonates in your head and nasal cavity. And then your mixed voice. Some people call that your middle voice. I call it the mixed voice. And that kind of breaks down into two parts as well. So one way, I, the, and let me explain, the mix is the blend of chest and head. So you're mi- quote unquote mixing them together, right? That's where the word comes from. So you're getting the foundation of power of your chest voice, but the release and range of your head voice. That's where you're getting all the high, crazy notes that you hear your favorite singers be able to do that maybe you have no idea how they're doing it. That's how they're doing it. Think about Whitney Houston. That's your mixed voice, okay? Now, the mixed voice is going to break down into two main parts. One is going to be more the muscular coordination, how to allow yourself to find that coordination through um, muscles. And the other one is getting into your mix more by means of resonance. So both are very important and need a little bit of activation. Honestly, like they're still covering the same parts of your range. And theoretically, you've probably already sung those exact same notes when you worked your chest and your head. But now it's like turning it on. You've got to activate a muscle group. You've got to activate a resonator. And you just sort of treat them all in, in a similar concept when you're warming up the voice. So those are the four main things. It's chest voice, head voice, the, I call it edge or compression, dealing with the muscle side of your mix. And then pharyngeal, which is a fancy word that's dealing with the resonance of your mix. That's the, the nasopharyngeal resonator has to do with the back of your mouth cavity is your pharynx that tilts into your nasal cavity. That nasal resonator is your mix resonator. It does not mean you sing nasal just to clear the air, um, but you do have to activate it and use it because it's actually a normal part of your speaking voice. It's a normal part of um, commercial music in general. Okay. So let's, let's do a warm up. Are you cool with that? Yeah. If you were like, you mentioned like the four different areas and, you know, and, and I did kind of the lip roll. Like if you were kind of training me as far as like doing like a, a warm up for a Sunday morning, what what would those four areas look like? Well, and this isn't, and I'll say this because I, t- I tell people like worship leaders this all the time, don't treat your first song of your first service as your warm up. Oh yeah. Or in rehearsal, you know what I mean? Just warm up with the easy song, whatever. Well, and the problem with that is one, if you use the quote unquote easy song to warm up, you're probably only hitting a small part of your range. That's why it's easy. Right. Yeah. So you're just only warming up that little part. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so if I was to start a warm up, um, and I showed you that lip roll a minute ago, I'm going to do. Uh, do you want to try that for me? Yeah. Actually, that if you want to do it in your key, let me give you something lower. Yeah. Do it down here. Okay. I got it. Here we go. Here's their chord. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty is it good. bad that it, like I'm not hitting those notes right? No. Is that is that a bad thing that I'm not nailing those notes? No, because I mean, most of the time I can tell within a few seconds if somebody has a decent ear. So I actually don't really care if you're singing in tune or not for a scale because a lot of times pitch serves as a huge distraction for muscle coordination and um, resonance coordination, things like that. And and I want people to kind of get out of that mindset that the note that they sing matters to me. I, I care much more about the coordination of your voice than the notes that you're singing. That's good. Um, and, and you can tighten up pitch in a lot of ways. And, and often when you coordinate better, 
because you're building better control over your muscle, you will ultimately have better pitch and accuracy and intonation. Now, here's a little tip though. When you're doing a lip roll, I want you to take the the your hands. So this is an interesting thing to describe. So for people who are only listening, right, and can't actually see me, you would take your fingers to the corners of your mouth, like your you know middle finger and thumb, say. So you got a middle finger on one side, a thumb on the other side. You're going to go to the corners of your mouth, go out just a little, and then down and lift straight up. So you're kind of like creating a pucker in your lips. You're not squishing in like a fish face. And you're not stretching them out where you have no slack in your lips. It's just lifting up your cheeks like this. And then say, there you go. That was harder. You got to find your sweet spot. That's why. Okay. It ultimately will give you a lot more longevity because it keeps your your cheek muscles from getting fatigued. You're kind of letting letting them stay loose. It, it just takes some time to figure that out, but you'll you'll have more efficient airflow too. Because right now your lip roll is pretty good, but it's you're letting a lot of air out. It's kind of going. Yeah. And it's not as efficient as it could be. If you were to find that space, and it's not, you gotta get like on the outside and lift up. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> There you go. That was really good. Okay. Yeah. And, and when I said earlier, like it was harder, I could I could tell, like I was having to change what I was doing. That there, there was a change in my technique that had to be modified. Well, and when you're taking out an uh, option, and whether that be a muscle or a resonator, when you are removing that option from the equation. Your voice has to find another way. You're rerouting. It's like taking a detour. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe it's the better one. Maybe it's the better path, the more efficient one. And so the cool thing is your voice is really instinctive to to navigate those types of obstacles. That's why like people can still sing when they have nodes and polyps and weird dysphonia issues. People can still sing with damage um, because your voice is having to overcompensate. Now, that's okay in a very short-term amount of time. I think, honestly, that's like the grace of God on our lives to be able to do that when we need to. But in the long term, if you don't fix it, it'll get worse, right? So um, the one that's probably the most easy to to find very quickly in terms of how do I know if I'm doing this right or not? You'll find very fast in like your chest voice. If you were to take your thumb and press behind your chin bone underneath your neck or like underneath your chin, right? Kind of at the top of your neck. When you're at rest and you're relaxed, that space behind that bone is very squishy, right? Right. You can press into it. It's free. Now swallow, but keep your thumb there. Oh, yeah. I felt that. Feel that muscle tighten up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what is happening is um, that's your swallowing muscle. That is called your digastric muscle. That one is getting in the way of you singing well. But a lot of times, because it's right there, it gets recruited. Just like in if you were to work out with a trainer and go to the gym and you're, you're like doing your bicep curls or whatever it is, they're going to be like, whoa, your form is way off. Maybe you're swinging. So instead of working your bicep, you're maybe going to throw out your back or you're, you're using more your shoulder or something like that. So it's a muscle that's maybe nearby that kind of helps out because you're doing something wrong. You're still able to make the movement happen, but you're doing it incorrectly, which could ultimately lead to injury, but never build the muscle. You so you have to build strength into the right places. When you're using this muscle to sing, which many people are when they're belting really hard in their chest voice, um, you're building strength into the wrong place. This muscle is not designed to, to help you sing high with power. This muscle is designed to kind of help your voice crack and get tired and fatigued because 
what's physically happening. If you hold up your index finger and your middle finger next to one another, um, like you're flashing a peace sign, but then you stick your fingers together, right? This is like your vocal cords. They're vibrating against one another. That muscle, that swallowing muscle you're pre that you felt pull down is basically creating a pull on the vocal cords, stretching them out. And eventually when that thing releases because it can't hang on forever, your, your cords break apart. So we have to engage a different muscle altogether to create phonation. The pulling one, this one under your chin that you can feel really quick. And if you were to sing something like, uh, or, you know, an actual phrase of a song, you'll start to feel on that higher stuff, that thing pull down. Right. And if that, it's like a mirror, it will tell you the truth. If that muscle's pulling down, you're straining. If it's not, well, you may not be straining at all. There's other muscles in, involved, but that's typically like the tip of the domino effect right there, that first domino that, um, can recruit a bunch of other ones. They're they're all like right in here. They're all these external muscles of the lyrics that we're trying to disengage. So that might be even be something that you could do just even like if you're listening to this in the car or whatever. I mean, you could put your thumb underneath that little squishy spot right underneath your chin. Yep. And like and then go and like try to sing a note. Yeah. And then if you feel that strain, okay, how do I change that so I can still sing the note but not do the thing? Right. So these are the kinds of things that you would like focus on when you're doing like a like a coaching call with someone. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to then go into in terms of a warm up, go into a chest voice exercise. Uh, say right here, I might do a five tone scale in my chest voice and say ah, or even a ma 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 ma. Now, if I were to do that with that thumb pressed in, I'll be able to tell around the point in time where the strain wants to engage. And it usually will happen at the top of someone's chest voice range right before they go into that breaking point. So if I go, ah, it stays free. Ah, ah, ah. This is usually where it's going to creep in on most uh, female singers. Uh, yeah. And the tone will change. It'll kind of get muddy, cloudy, uh, mouthy, right? Versus clean and um, bright. Uh, uh, which I'm exaggerating how you know ugly that sounds. But I start to feel that muscle pull down. That's one thing I do know about like like when you do like warm-ups and you do um, you know coaching and that kind of stuff. The kinds of sounds that come out of your mouth when you're doing it sound ridiculous. Totally. But I guess also if you use the exercising analogy, when you're in the middle of doing a workout, you kind of look ridiculous. But that's not the point. Right. The point is to be able to stretch out the muscles and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, all that. Hey, Shelby, are you ready now for the bonus round? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Okay. Do I get bonus points if I, if I do it something right? It depends on how what well do I win? you do. It depends What's my on prize? What um, you get to make yourself a slushy out of whatever flavors you want. Oh, okay. I know how to do that. <laughs> Bonus round coming at three in two, one, coffee or tea? Coffee, coffee, coffee. I like tea, but always coffee. Early riser or night owl? Uh, by nature, more of a night owl, but by force of parenting, early riser. So I when I have to get up early to work out in the morning before my kids wake up. So I get up at like five something, five twenty ish in the morning most days. That requires because I'm so wiped out at the end of the day, it requires me to go to bed at like nine thirty. But I before I had kids, totally the opposite. Favorite TV or Netflix show? Oh, 
I haven't watched TV in the longest time in the last year, but I would say um, probably one of my all-time favorite TV shows is The Office. As you should. I like that type of humor. Cat or dog? Dog. Totally. Totally dog. Enneagram number? I'm a two. I'm a very solid, strong two. What about you? What are you? I'm a one-wing two. Okay, yeah. I've, I always joke that I'm a one that can make friends. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't ever decide what my wing is. I feel like it depends on the season of life. Sometimes I lean more into the one, more into the three. It's hard to, it's hard to say. in and out or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Mostly because I'm not a West Coaster. I've never been a West Coaster. And I feel like if I were, I would probably say in and out But I, I do really love a good burger. First record you ever purchased? Um, so people are probably going to guess how old I am. I think it would be either the original Lion King soundtrack or um, Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill. That is so different. You could not have picked two... <laughs> Two more opposite. <laughs> wow. Let me. I'm full of surprises, Dave. Well, okay. First three CDs I bought were Aerosmith Pump, Paula Abdul, Forever Your Girl, and the UHF soundtrack from Weird Al Yankovic. So. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm probably not one to talk. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? Um. And crack other people's knuckles. What? I don't know if that's a talent, but my husband will be like, he'll stick his hand in my face and be like, do that thing that you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I like take his thumb and I crack it. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. These are all the things that you envisioned marriage to be like when you got married, right? right? I know. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Shelby with the bonus round. Give it up for Shelby Rollins. Thank you. I hope I aced it. Oh, I, I think your performance in that was at least an A minus. Nice. All right. I'll take that. I can be an A minus student. So we've talked a lot about just caring for your voice and just the normal process of warming it up and working it out, just in normal things. I'm curious, just you know, this is kind of a selfish question on my end, but I've seen you kind of tackle it a little bit on your own Instagram. Uh, I have noticed since going through chemotherapy, which is, is that's kind of part of my story in the last year, you know, if the pandemic wasn't enough, let's go ahead and get cancer. Oh my gosh. Which I'm thankful that I am, I'm cancer free as of November of 2020. So I'm thankful for that. I've noticed that it has affected my voice. And, you know, like I said at the very beginning, I've never had amazing technique. I never came into this role of being this amazing singer. I was okay with I'm an okay singer. I can do what needs to be done. I will put really good people around me and I will pour into my people and I will lead a team. That's always been my MO. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like even getting in my head as far as like, I should be able to do these things and I can't do them. And almost kind of forgetting, like it wasn't until I went back to a video from like, you know, over a year ago where I watched me singing and I'm like, oh, well, I was able to do the things then. Yeah. And I can't now. Like, it's not just me not having that ability and kind of just feeling like, well, it's not for me. Um, it, it was it was a result of that trauma. And you've mentioned just even getting your voice back going after having children. Like you yes. mentioned that specifically, at least with your last two. Yeah. And so for those that have gone through what I would say a traumatic event, and even though there's a nice prize at the end when you have a baby. Right. <laughs> it's still a traumatic event. I mean, it's, it really it's a significant. Is. And so... Yeah. 
whether it be chemotherapy, whether it be, you know, postpartum or whatever, you know, is there any, any tips in terms of like maintaining your voice or maybe getting your voice back as far as like focus on this? Absolutely. Well, so one thing that I'll say about really any kind of trauma that can occur in your body is that remind yourself if you have gone through some sort of, especially physical, but even honestly, emotional trauma, your body is designed to send all of the healing energy to that thing that was traumatized, to that injury, to the wound, right? Your body literally sends antibodies to certain places of injury. And what that what's happening, and people with even like autoimmune issues can understand this really well, is that um, your body's sending all this energy to one place, and as a result, it's taking energy away from other things that are sort of at status quo, right? So you may not have injured your voice per se, but because of what's happening, I mean, through chemo, through other types of injuries or whatever, or childbirth, and there's healing that has to be done in a woman's body after childbirth, um, is the body is sending energy to that area to that thing, even in your soul. I mean, there's physical energy that's going into, you know, emotional healing. That's why you can be so tired when you're emotionally wrecked, right? You're physically exhausted. There's so much energy going to that thing that it's as a result not going to what it the normal amount that would be going to your voice. So that's, I think, a good way to frame it is this is the why when you might be like, but this has nothing to do with my voice. Why would my voice have an issue over here? But yet it does. There's an absolute normal reason for that. That's okay. Um, it's kind of how, I mean, I think it's amazing that God made our bodies in design to heal themselves. It's it's fascinating to me. But at any rate, that I wanted to frame that first, but I would say if you think that there might be something amiss in your voice specifically, the first thing you need to go, go do is see an ENT that's highly recommended um, specifically to vocalists, to singers, and a lot of ENTs um, specialize in that. I mean, for sure in Nashville they do where I am, but um, in a lot of cities you'll have ENTs who um, mention that on their website, that they're, it's great for singers or whatever, they can help you navigate that, or just a referral from somebody who's been. But see an ENT, get your vocal cords scoped and see what you're working with. The first thing you need to do is probably get a professional medical diagnosis if you think that you might have a vocal injury. Um, but then you need to get into vocal therapy um, to rebuild that. Just, you know, we've talked about muscles a lot today and the physical body. If you were to injure yourself in another way and you had to go through PT, physical therapy, um, you don't go to physical therapy and just like sit there and do nothing. They make you do work. They make you re they rehabilitate your muscle through making you use it correctly. And it can be very challenging um, at times, but your muscle is actually healing itself by being engaged properly. So it actually rebuilds. Muscle fiber can rebuild that way. I mean, it, you in a workout, like your muscle kind of breaks down when you, you know, do a lot of uh, weightlifting, and then um, recovery is actually where the, the fibers kind of grow back and get stronger. Um, but in therapy, you have to learn to reuse the muscle properly, not just not use it. So vocal rest can be sometimes the right protocol for somebody, but it's not the only thing ever. You have to learn how to rehabilitate the muscle through using it properly. So that's what vocal therapy, um, what it's there to do um, by design. And then you do have to find a coach who understands muscle function in the voice and who can like train you safely to get back to where you need to be. But I will say I have seen people with crazy vocal damage overcome like wild stuff. So I think um, 
most every issue in the voice, most every vocal traumatic situation can be healed and overcome through proper muscle coordination and proper technique. So this is all a lot. And for those that uh, that have made it this far into the podcast, I mean, sometimes, you know, you can it can be like drinking from a fire hose, especially on a, on a topic when it comes like to singing. And there's all, there's, you know, you work with people for hours and hours and hours and hours to develop these things. We've only been hanging out for less than an hour in a podcast. Yeah. So for those that are listening that are like, okay, I need to make some changes. I need to do some things. What's a like a very easy next step? that they can do today? Great question. Um, and you know, as if for any of the people who have seen Frozen 2, Anna says so brilliantly, she says, I'm going to do the next right thing. Uh, she has a whole song about it. She sings it very well. Anyway, uh, you have to take the next right step. It really can be a lot. It can be daunting to think about there's so much here. And there is, but that's everything. That's anything that you might try to change if you think, oh my gosh, I have to diet and exercise my brains out until I like lose 100 pounds. Like That's a big, overwhelming thought to think of. You have to do the next right thing. So the next right thing for your voice might be to warm it up properly before a Sunday set. It may not be to um, work it out six days a week not having any idea what that looks like. But honestly, even two exercises would help you in a Sunday morning if you have never done it before. And those lip rolls are probably the number one thing I would say to do. And if you don't have access to a piano, slide up and down. And do it for three or four minutes. It's amazing how much that'll warm up the voice. The other thing, the the five-tone scale that we did on the... Ah, something like that um, is a really easy way to just open up your chest voice, which you're probably going to be singing in for the majority of your service anyway. Um, and then when it comes to the harder, like mix coordination things that feel very less familiar to people, I always say free vocalize. Make the noise. Don't worry about a scale. Just talk it in. Meow, 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 meow. So I said two, but that was technically three things. So your lip rolls, your chest voice, and your meows are a really, really easy way to just start trying to do something different. You know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. So if you just make one change to get up 10 minutes earlier and warm up your voice for those 10 minutes that that you've gotten up, you'll see a huge impact on your voice. Honestly, a lot of people don't warm up before because they feel like they're going to, they want to save it for the stage, so to speak. And I always tell them that's a terrible warm up. Like if your warm up is actually depleting your voice, then throw that away. That's terrible. It should feel like charging your battery, plugging it in and, and giving you way more of a well to draw from when you sing. So the first thing, the next right thing is just start to warm up the right way. And if you don't know, I actually have a lot of content and free stuff on either my Instagram or you can sign up on my mailing list and get some free videos for my website to to get some, okay, give me an actual exercise, take me through it. Um, That's what that would look like. I think the biggest eye-opening thing for me in this conversation was thinking about the muscles that I have that are good for eating, but not good for singing, but that will still instinctively kick in and actually make it harder to sing. So you have to learn how to disengage those muscles and learn to engage 
other muscles. Just because it's instinctual doesn't mean it's correct. And I definitely have been trying to warm up with some vocal exercises that I know, but sometimes I wonder if I'm actually doing the right things and if those exercises are really helping. If you're interested in learning more, Shelby actually has a few courses available on her website that you can check out. One in particular is called Vocal Foundations. There's over 20 videos that go deeper into some of the things that we talked about, like isolating the muscles and resonators of your voice and learning several different exercises that will build the foundations of your voice. And if you use the promo code PRACTICAL, you can get 50% off of the current price. Just go to mastervocal.com or you can find the link in the show notes page at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 33. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, do this for me. This might seem kind of silly, but just trust me. Take a screenshot right now of, of your phone or whatever device you're using to listen to this podcast on and share that on social media. Let me see where you're listening from and what you're doing right now as you're listening. You could even, if you wanted to, post a quick video of you doing your best lip roll. Everyone else is going to be like, what is this person doing? But you, you and me and, and Shelby, like, we'll know. We'll know what's up. It'll be our little secret. When you post it, tag me in it by using at Dave Dolphin Okay. And thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. That's what iTunes uses to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests. And so the more people that rate and review the podcast, the more that iTunes is going to recommend and push that out to other people that can benefit from all of this content. And if you're listening to this on Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, as always, I'm glad that you're here as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. 